Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. With over 200,000 locations throughout the U.S. and offering 12,000 different types of batteries, stop into your local Interstate Battery store today and let them help you find the right batteries for your everyday life. This is the Sawn Outdoors Podcast. What up, what up, what up? Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Sun Outdoors podcast. It's been another two weeks and it's been a crazy two weeks. We've gotten some moisture again here in Utah. Uh, there's lots of water coming out of the canyons, super green out. This is going to be a great year for antler growth. And uh, we had a lot of wildfires here in Utah last year. So I think with all the new growth in those burned areas, it's going to be pretty good. We're hoping that Zach will draw a limited entry um, elk tag here. So crossing our fingers, we should know in about a month whether or not he draws that tag. <clears throat> um, today's episode is a great one. It's another one that we recorded at the 2019 Western Hunting and Conservation Expo. And we sat down with McKay Sorensen. Uh, he goes by Utah Trapper McKay on his Instagram you take a look at his Instagram, there's really no um, confusion what he does, um, and especially by his name. He's a trapper. He also loves big mule deer and, and shed antlers. McKay has his own business where he restores antlers. He has an antler restoration business, and he does a marvelous job, I must say. So I really wanted to get him on the podcast um, thankfully, we were able to meet up at the expo, um, and we talked a lot of things. We talked a lot about his trapping, talked a lot about shed hunting, and his antler restoration. Turns out he gets people from all over the country sending in their old, um, kind of chalky, cracked, bleached out uh, antlers, and he restores them to um, more of a, a brown so as if that the deer would have shed it right then, then and someone had found it shortly thereafter. So he has a really um, great Instagram page. Look him up, Utah Trapper underscore McKay. That's M C K A Y. Um, and check it out. He you can DM him on his Instagram page, and um, he can give you some pricing or whatever. And you can arrange for him to uh, fix or restore your antlers. So if you're in the market for that, doesn't matter where you're at in the country, you can ship them to him and he will take care of them. And, and gosh, just just jump on his Instagram and scroll through there. He also has a great editing eye. <laughs> Takes some good photos. So this one is a, is a fun one, guys. Um, it's not really trapping season. We're kind of out of that, but we are still in shed season most places. I know that uh, Nevada opens up this week as well as uh, Wyoming and some other places. So hopefully you guys are getting out, finding some browns. But if you find some chalky whites or something you want restored it's big enough, reach out to, to McKay Swanson. Um, before we get started, I want to talk a little bit about uh, sponsor of this podcast, King's Camo. Uh, King's doing some awesome things. King's is great. Um, 
we, Ian and I actually recorded a, uh, a couple videos, um, doing some P, like gear breakdowns, overviews, reviews, whatever you want to call them. We talked about, uh, the Ridge pant, which is a lightweight early season pant. That's freaking fantastic. Jump on our YouTube channel and check that out. If you're looking for a good pant to shed hunt in, turkey hunt, uh, whatever it may be, summer scouting or just wearing around town. It's a, it's an awesome pant. They come in camo and and they have solids, the dark khaki and the charcoal colors. We also reviewed one of our other favorite pieces, the high top hoodie. Um, that thing's fantastic. And if we can talk the guys at Kings into creating uh, some solids in that, phew, buddy, I tell you what, that'll be <laughs> be running the ridge pant and the like. Probably a tan, dark khaki, uh, high top hoodie. So check that out. Um, I know a lot of you are getting into turkey hunting. If you're looking for some good camo, lightweight, breathable stuff, jump on a King's Camo. They've got pretty much anything you you would need to be outfitted for your hunt. So don't forget, when you're shopping at King's Camo, use our discount code. That has changed a little bit. Um, it's Sawn Outdoors now. It used to be just Sawn. Now just tack on outdoors at the end of that. You'll save yourself 15% off anything in your cart, the whole entire cart, even sale items. It's freaking fantastic. So you're not going to find a better deal than that. Um, without further ado, let's jump into the podcast with McKay Sorensen. All right. Well, we're sitting here with McKay Sorensen. Yep. Right. Yep. Tell us about McKay. Who are you? What do you do? <clears throat> well, I uh, Trapper McKay, Utah Trapper McKay on Instagram. Yeah. Um, Dude, you have a sick page. Thanks. Your page is pretty sick. Thanks. It is awesome. Mm-hmm. I've been following it for a while, and I I love what I see. Like, you're you, for one, you're doing awesome things. You have all kinds of awesome antlers. And then you you also take really good photos. Thanks. So kudos on that. Yeah. So I uh, I guess I I do antler restoration. That's kind of you know my bread and but bread and butter. I've been fixing horns since I was in high school. You know, ten years. And uh, I think I kind of got it figured out. At least I'm, I'm starting to. Yeah. And uh, kind of got into a little niche there. And. Uh, you know, I get, I, I'm just fortunate I get to work on a lot of cool stuff. What with, got you into it? How'd you start? In high school with good old wood stain. Yeah? Minwax wood stain and Just kind of messing around, just, just like, hey, you got to do just this. Just an idea. Yeah, you know, just thought, I, I bet I wanted to make it brown again. <laughs> you know, you all know what wood stain and an outcorn looks like. Yeah. You know, it, it's brown and the tips <laughs> are white and that's all you got. Right. But, you know, it just kind of evolved from there. I... I'd, I'd get projects, you know, that I, I didn't, I ruined a lot of horns, basically. <laughs> I ruined a lot of my own horns, uh, figuring it out, and I had I had help from some good taxidermists along the way that kind of pointed me in the right direction, and I pretty well ran with it. Um, anymore, I, I hand paint all the details. Wow. Um, you know, it's not the, the white paint, you know, that you, a lot of guys use, or the antler wax, or... And then uh, a year ago, I started making replicas. I, I've always wanted to do that, and I, yeah. that's a costly, it was a costly endeavor to figure out, you know, because it's one of those things, no one will teach you how to do it. Right. And so I, there's a little bit on YouTube you could learn, and 
just trial and error, and I, you know, I'm starting to get a starting to get a hand on that, and hopefully I can get a little bit busier with that. You know, it's a pretty established market already, but yeah. right. Hopefully I can get a foot in the door. I only know of like one other place. The guy Utah, in Nephi. Yeah, Nephi. What was that, what's that one called? I uh, his he split image replicas. Split image. That's right. He, he does a good job. There's another guy that I actually went to high school with in Monroe, Utah. Trigger finger replicas. He does a really nice well, job. Well, if you're going to be anywhere for that, I guess Monroe can be the elk, the elk area. Yeah. And then you've got the strip right in your backyard. The Pontagon. The coral sand, you know, coral pink sand dunes. Dude, right. I went down there shed hunting one time. <laughs> Actually, I wasn't even shed hunting. I think I was just watching mule deer. Uh-huh. Can't believe yeah. the amount of deer that come off the Pontagon onto there. Yeah. It, uh, the sands are a special place. I, I spend a lot of time there hunting coyotes and um you know, picking up horns, obviously. Mm-hmm. But uh, I on Saturday, actually, I found a, my first brown set of the year. From the that was awesome. oh, Yeah, I saw that. But yeah. you want to know what's crazy? I'm jaded. I'm jaded with deer, man. Like, I get to touch so many giants. I didn't, I kind of forgot, like, how exciting a 180 buck is to find. <laughs> and I found, I was like, oh, that's a, that's a nice buck. I was excited. And I got back to the truck. And my buddies I was with, like, they lost their mind. Like, is it really this, you know, is it that nice of a deer? It, it was. Yeah. You know, I kind of had to get back to reality. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I, I ask this guy all the time because, like, buck behind you. Right. He killed an insane buck. Like, uh-huh. that is a buck of a lifetime. And it's like, Zach, like, do other deer even get you excited? A 180 buck? Does that even, like, make you tick anymore? Uh-huh. Well, that, well. The year after I killed that buck, I answered that question with my buddy's hunt. His first ever hunt, we're on general unit. Uh-huh. Um, it was the second to last day. It was the only day I was going to be able to help him. He didn't have any family members that hunted, nothing. He just asked me, hey, would you mind taking me out? So I took him to a pretty accessible location. I mean, we had to hike quite a bit, but it wasn't too crazy. And just expecting to get him a decent first buck. And yeah. we're sitting there. It's about 11.15 in the morning. I'm getting ready to take a nap. He goes, hey, what's that over there? And across the canyon coming out of pine trees, 180-inch buck. And I got more buck fever with him <laughs> than I did with this guy, probably because it was a surprise. Uh-huh. It wasn't like I was scouting him or anything. It just, he just showed up. And mm-hmm. So he did. He killed a 181-inch buck. And I I could probably say that I, yeah, for, well, for sure I had more buck fever. But it's almost more impressive to me to kill a 180-inch buck on a general season unit than a 240-inch on the Henry's. Oh, well, okay. So it just, I don't know, it just depends, you know. I, yeah, if I had a Henry's tag and I killed a 210-inch buck, I'd probably be a little like, oh, crap. Yeah. Because I know what I did already. But if it's so a we, went, unit, we went down there this uh, during the rut this last year, mm-hmm. and he's like, dude, we got to go down there. You will not believe. It's crazy. So <laughs> we go down there, and it's like, dude, that's a really nice buck. I'm sitting here videoing it. He's, like, getting impatient with me. He's like, dude, let's go. It's getting dark. Come on, we got to go see what else. I'm like, that's a great buck. He's like, it's the Henry's. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> and that was probably the biggest buck we saw the whole weekend. It was sad. It was kind of sad. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we talked to some guys down there, and I don't know if you've spent any time on the Henry's. I've I had never been on the Henry's. It's cool. It was really cool. But we talked to some guys that uh, hit it a lot. And, and one guy that has a cabin over there, and he was <laughs> like, man, it is – it's coming. It's going down. That's He's like, that we, it, it's to be expected, right? It's not going to last forever. They say the Henrys are going down and the Pontagon's coming back. If the Pontagon's exploding this year, you know, it's been a down year everywhere. If you get on social media, that's all people talk about is this bull lost 20 inches. Water, water, water. <laughs> yeah. But uh, 
Anyway, back to the, you know, you mentioned Monroe and the elk. Yeah. That when I was growing up, I didn't, if you saw the basket buck four point, you hunted that thing. You know, there, there's not a lot of big deer down there, but elk are, you know, I grew up loving elk and now I've completely changed elk are, elk are on the they're, back burner. Really? I, I love mule what, deer. What made it change? What so, what do you like about mule deer that elk don't have? Just how different, how different their, you know, their antler configuration is, in, you know, their Elks, there's no, yeah, elk, if you get a cheater on an elk, that's right. pretty rare. Right, right, you know that. But for the most part, they're just straight six. There's, and the big flying cheaters and stuff that deer deer get, and I don't know, it seems like. Every deer's different. Every deer's different. Yeah. I Dude, I'm the same way. I've been an elk guy. Like, I just kind of figured, ah, mule deer, whatever. I hadn't really seen any big mule deer. Mm-hmm. And that might be part of it. But I'm like, man, you get you get in the rut with the elk, they're bugling in your face. Like, you, you can't even, like, imagine that. You have to experience it. But then I start hunting deer with these guys, and, like, I'm getting the itch. Mm-hmm. Like, there is something about them that just... Well, see, and you, and your obsession with elk kind of... I was straight mule deer because I love how... Like, it's not this way, but it's a pretty... It's it's how I viewed elk hunting. It was like, uh, an elk during the rut might as well just be a moo cow. You know, out right. in the middle of the forest because they're not that hard to get close to. And, and my mom had an elk tag, and it was difficult. The weather didn't cooperate some days. And, I mean, it was more difficult than what people made it seem to be, mm-hmm. um, which I was glad because it made me kind of jump on the bandwagon for elk a little bit more. But I, I'm still a, a mule deer guy just because the term gray ghost is real. <laughs> and it's like McCade's playing a video right here on the table, and we watched a buck. Watched him, watched him for a good two hours, not two hours, like 20 minutes. And then all of a sudden he bedded. And all you could see was probably the, fir- the front four inches of his snout uh-huh. and his black nose. And it's like if we hadn't been watching him, we would have just glassed, glassed <laughs> right past him. And Whereas an elk, you probably would have seen that. Like they have a little different coloring. They stand right. out a little bit more because they're big. But yeah. I'm not saying an elk can't hide because they can. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me... More about this antler restoration, like, what's, what's your process? I mean, I, you, it's probably a little trade secret, <laughs> right. but walk us through, like, some of the basics. Like, people just contact you, say, hey, yeah, I, mean, I found this horn, or I shot this deer, what? You know, I mean, you know, I do a all lot cases. of... All cases. All cases, you know, I, I fix a lot of broken light bulbs, you know, they break all our horns. Yeah, during right. the, and anyway, you know, a, a lot of it, you know, is, is sheds and... You know, they recolor them and put them on a, I, I offer replica skulls that I make my, you know, I made the molds myself and, you know, they've got 10 times the detail that your commercial, yeah. you know, you what can buy. What are the skulls made out of? Uh, a polyurethane resin. Okay. So you have a mold. You. Yep. Yep. I made the mold, you know. That's it's, so cool. It's It's got all the nasal, the, cav- the detail in the nasal cavity and all the, the really fine lines on the skull and. Yeah. Um, did you just take one of your skulls that you had from a buck, mm-hmm. create the basic mold, and now you got it for? Yep. Yeah, and cool. I, I have, I have three sizes of those. I have an elk skull that I'm working on the mold for right now. I've got a coos deer skull that I offer. Um, you know, just it, it's wild. There's, it's not a one size fits all for the skulls. There's, yeah, you know, littler bucks. 140 inch buck does not look good on a skull that had 200 inch set of horns on. You know. Yeah. Pedicles are all weird, and right? And just the actual the, the length and the size of the it, it's a big difference. Yeah. Um, so do so, you do you use like 
smaller sheds to fix bigger, you know, broken? Um, it depends on how, if, it, if it's something I used to a lot, but I, I got to where I was, you know, if I needed a big back fork, I'd, I'd cut up my own horns, uh, you know, and I, I kind of lost my keeper pile. I cut them all up to fix other people's stuff, and I... That's your investment right there, that's right? That's my... But now, if it's, you know, if it's something major, I'll, I'll, I'll find a horn that I like, and I'll make, I'll cast, I'll make a mold of the section I want to fix, and then I'll cast it, and then I've got that mold for future. Holy crap. So now you're saving horns. Yep. Wow. Dude. So that's how you're, you're fixing. I've always been curious. I know nothing about yep. fixing a horn, but I've heard, you know, like we, I was on a muzzleloader hunt and uh, my buddy's brother shot this buck. And when he died, he was kicking and thrashing all over and broke an antler. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, the tech service can fix it. But so you're actually taking pieces of antler from another, like mm-hmm. a shed, and you're attaching it to the broken yeah. piece. Yeah. And then are you using like, what, you putting a epoxy, what, like, yeah. So there's some sanding yeah, stuff yeah, going on. That yeah. that part's not too, uh, you know that that's not too secret. You know, yeah. you, you find you like if it's a you find a tiny like you know that'll look good, and you cut it off where the you know kind of where the I base how you know how long I repair it based on the mass. You know, it, they kind of get something carries the same mass out. Right. Carry and compare it to the other side. Yep. Yep. And you you know wow. you cut it off and you drill a hole in, with a dowel. You know you put it together like that in epoxy and then. There's an there's several epoxy putties on the market that I you know that you use in it. You can knead it like clay, and then it dries and it's hard. And you can you can sand it and put detail into it and paint it, and it, it accepts stain and the whole nine yards. Mm. Wow. And that you know that's how that goes. Is that kind of a tricky part of the whole process? So finding that something that like matches up that's going to work with the one you're 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 trying to fix, or is are there? Um, the the hardest the hardest ones to rebuild are the the really massy bucks, you know, because you're not finding those sheds all day. <laughs> right, you're not, and it's you know, it seems like when they get older and they get all the mass, they're not, you know, they're they're really different. Like, I I, I wish I could show pictures, you know, kind of what I'm talking about, but yeah, that, that's why like it's nice, you know, I've got a pretty good collection of deer horns now that if I, you know, if I need that big hook cheat or something, I just make a mold really fast. And then I've got then I've got the mold for future, and I can just pour. It. Right. Yeah. So so now you're not doing the take right. cutting a horn, epoxying it onto right. another one because you have the mold. Right. With 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 elk horns, you know, I, I cut up elk horns because I don't, you know, I'll I'll go I buy I buy antlers now, and uh, you know I'll go through my pile and find something that I like, and you know, find a a tribute, I guess, you know, something that I a horn I'll cut up and go from there. But with deer, I, I either I use repl- like you know replicated tines to repair them, or I if it's just a tip, I'll you know you can just build them, build them out of the epoxy yeah epoxy putty. Yeah, I wondered if that's how you did it. Like if, if you're not missing much, if you just yeah. built it up and sanded it down. Whatever. So are you? What's your market like? Do you do a lot of work for taxidermists? I because I have a close friend who's a taxidermist and he hates fixing broken tines. That's that's the case with most all most of the taxidermists I've met. Um, you know, they it's a it's a pretty tedious pretty tedious time consuming thing especially when it comes to matching color so a lot you know that i do quite a lot of work for taxidermists and uh my favorite my favorite work to do is you know when people reach out directly to me with with a big with the biggest set of shit they've ever found type of a deal you know and you bring them back to life for them i bring i get to see their reaction and talk to them and you know 
I, I like I like hand delivering stuff because I get I like to see how it you know you can tell by somebody's eyes if they like it or hate it. It's yeah. not right. You can't, you, <laughs> I, yeah, I can't sugarcoat it. Don't lie, right? <laughs> you know. Whereas if you if you send something in the mail, if if you all know the person that's a horrible texter, you know how are you doing? Good. Do yeah. you like it? Yep. You know it, it, it's yeah. hard yeah. to tell through a through a text message. Don't elaborate, really. right? <laughs> it's share the emotion through that. But uh, dude, I I don't know. I what about this? Yeah. Well, I'm looking at so we're sitting here in our booth at the expo, and I have this buck I found on Antelope Island uh, shed hunting a couple years ago, and it's got a bunch of like the what I call like stickers, little. What, I don't know what you call them. What's the technical term for all the little... On the bases? Basal points. Basal points. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, and that carries it quite a ways up. Uh-huh. So say he's broken there. I mean, are you fixed? Like, are you adding some of that texture to a horn you're fixing? Yeah. Yeah. Man. You know, eye guards especially. <laughs> eye guards especially. Eye guards are tough. Yeah. Um, you know... Do you fix those or do you build those up? I used to build them and it's way more work than it's worth like 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 hand tooling you know tooling the clay with a you know with your tools right if you can cast them it's the exact same as the other side you blend it good no one ever knows but you know holy crap (laughs) what's the biggest horn you've ever fixed elk and deer in one side single side a single side i like single side questions better than double-sided I don't get a lot of singles, um, I, I you know mostly sets, but I have a 430 set of Elkhorns in my garage right now. Dang. Can you so, make me a replica, please? <laughs> now, what, what, would the, what would that go for? Oh, geez, I've never made a replica of an elk before. Just, is, I mean, that's a lot of. It's a lot of. It's a ton material. of material, and the materials. Mm-hmm. The material cost is the biggest. You know what people base their. You know, basic, that's the biggest chunk of the price, I think. You know, it, it's very time-consuming, but the, the material is super expensive. Oh, yeah. oh dude. And uh, 430-inch set of sheds. It's the 430 Can, can I ask you uh, what state? They are from Arizona, I believe. Wow. Damn, Arizona. So you're getting stuff from all over. Yeah, I, just I, I've, got, I've got whitetail bucks from Minnesota and Canada, and I do a lot of stuff from New Mexico. And How are you marketing Instagram. your business? Solely Instagram. Solely Instagram and word of mouth. Wow. There's a... The power of social media. Yeah, exactly. Are you, I mean, you look like you're busy. Oh. You staying busy? I'm like booked, I'm booked backlog? out five and a half months right now. Oh, my Dude. crap. And you're not going to have time to shed, huh? <laughs> right. Oh, I make time. Oh, okay. <laughs> I make Priorities. Time. But I, you know... That's well, why it's five and a half months, mm-hmm. not three. Last year, I got to the point, you know, I was, I was, you know, I've got two kids. I've got a wife. And I had a full-time job last year. I got to the point, like... It was too much. And so you had to make that hard decision. I made that decision. I'm like, do I do I quit doing this? You know, but I I love it, or do I, you know, go the you know keep working my job that you don't really love? It's a right, job, right? You know, I'm a, I'm a welder fabricator by trade. Anyway, fast oh. forward to today. Well, you'll always find a job with that, right? Fast forward to today, I work 15, 20, 25 hours a week at the welding shop. I take weld roll cages for UTVs and Jeeps and stuff. And uh, then I go home and I work the rest, of, you know, the rest of the week on my my antler work. That's awesome, man. And uh, you know, my boss is, you know, my bu- welding boss. He's if I if I need if I gotta go meet a customer or something during the day, he 
he, he lets me come and go as I please. So I, I'm pretty, pretty blessed cool. that, you know, I, I am doing what I'm doing. See, yeah. if you worked in Salt Lake, that wouldn't happen. Right. But working in Hurricane in southern Utah, they understand. Right. They respect that. <laughs> right. Right. That's how I love it. Right. And, uh, you know, I also I also do a lot of trapping. You know, that's... That's the other thing why I wanted you on this podcast. <laughs> trapping is something that interests me a lot. I know nothing about it. It's, I know you put a trap out, hope an animal comes by and mm-hmm. steps in it. But I know there's more to it than that. Yep. There's, I mean, you know, it's pretty well pretty well known that, you know, coyotes especially, they're, they're super smart. They're, you know, you hear about people that call them, mm-hmm. you know, smart coyotes. They, they know, wise up. They wise up, you know, just like any animal, they wise up. It seems like. It seems like predators have the upper hand on that because, you know, they're hunting the smart deer, yada, yada, yada. And the biggest, the biggest pleasure for me is, you know, trap, especially coyotes, is you're tricking the smartest animal in the hills. You're convincing them to step on a, like a, a three-inch by three-inch Round area, plate, yeah. Round plate in his backyard. He, he knows what everything looks like. You're trying to put something there. That's unfamiliar to him, but not too unfamiliar that he, he, He's he got shies a nose away. On him. Right. They've got a nose. They can smell. If you fart, they can smell the dirt. You know, you can't, you can't trick a coyote's nose. <laughs> That's got to be one of the best lines I've heard in a long time. <laughs> if you fart, they can smell the dirt. Right. <laughs> I don't know. We had some good lines on the last hey, one. That's true. You know, that yeah, good. yeah. I, I'm, I'm pretty anal about, you know, certain things, you know, when people, people like, you know, everybody wants to come check traps. Right. You know. You know, it's the cool. The other coolest part is seeing seeing those animals you don't see all, every day up close, especially you know your bobcats. Yeah, you don't you don't see bobcats in the light. You know, very very very. Houndsmen have a hard time right. catching bobcats. Right, them little them little bobcats run circles and I'll pop rock to rock. They make those part. dogs look dumb. Yeah, but the the wild thing is bobcats. If you can find them, they're easy to catch. Really, it, you know, because they're so curious. They're so or? curious. You. It's just like, you know, your house cat. You can shine a laser pointer, and they go crazy. If All you got to do is find something, like, that catches their attention in a place they're going to go, and you'll catch it. it you just ha- it's just a waiting game for them to come back. So, I mean, it's specific probably animal to animal, but what are you looking for when you're setting your traps out? Uh, sign. 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 If, if you can find, there's, there's things called, I call them cat toilets. You know, just like your domestic house cat uses a litter box. Bobcats and lions are the same way. They like they have a more specific location. They're not just wherever the urge hits. Right, right. They'll they'll come around and they they kind of. It's like uh, I'm I'm going to blank right now. It's like a calling. You know, it's like a calling card. It's a couple different Mark cats in their are, territory. Right. But different cats will use that, and they can you know that they can tell when when another one came around. Gotcha. You'll find under a tree. You'll find twenty piles of scat. 20, twenty piles of bobcat turds. And you know that's that's a that's a gold mine. You've, right. you've never wow. seen anybody get more excited than a trapper finding a bobcat toilet like that. <laughs> I mean, I found I never, turd. I never knew that. Right? Yeah, I never knew that either. Right? I kind of figured you were looking for yeah some sign, but you were looking for like tracks and a, mm-hmm. a location, maybe a pinch point where uh-huh. they're going through travel. Is that uh-huh. stuff you're looking for too? Yep. Cats are cats seem to be really selective about where they go. Like. It, you've heard the phrase, you know, trying to hurt a cat. You, you know, you can't, if they don't want to do something, like, you know, you can't They're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. You know, being on location is probably the most important part when it comes to trapping cats. Um, and 
coyotes the same, but coyotes roam a lot more than you know a bobcat does. There's so what do you? Because I love animal skins, mm-hmm. but I would I know I would have a hard time killing an animal in a trap. For me, did yeah. you ever have? I mean, probably never had that to get over that little bit. No, I I actually have. Um, you know, it's 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 pretty personal when you're right there. You know, looking. They at know them. it's coming. They know it's. It's coming. just like treeing a bear or right. a mountain lion. Right. You know, it's just one of those things. I think I think there's a buffer, like what you know, when you're sitting behind a rifle, 300 yards from a coyote. You know, you 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 don't look in his eyes. Right. You exactly. Know, it, I'm not, I'm not heartless by any means. I've got two dogs. You know, I've got little kids. Yeah. I, I think that I have a better connection with, you know, bobcats and coyotes than a lot of people because I, you know, I get to interact with them on such a close level like that. Yeah. It, it, it is hard. You know, you, you, try not to get, you try not to get numb to it, you know, because you are taking a life. But right. Try to stay respectful. and Right. Right. You know, I don't, you know, I, I shoot my coyotes with the twenty two. And they're, you know, obviously, you know, you shoot anything that close, you can shoot them in the heart five feet away and they're dead in 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. So bobcats, I, I, I use a, a catch pole and, uh, you know, they're dead in, you know, 20 seconds. Yeah. Right. It, it's lights out fast. You know, you cut the blood up to their brain and it's lights out fast. Mm-hmm. It's really fast. You know, I don't, I, I like to make, I, I make YouTube videos and things, but the, the misconception is people think I'm, you know, making mocking the animal, but really, you know, I take a video, I take pictures so that I can remember it, you know, so I'm not. You know. It's just like people in taxidermy. I can't believe you, you know, put that animal on your wall and say, no, I don't do it so I can. Right. And, you know, to mock the animal or anything, I'm doing it so I can remember. Right. The memories and like how, you know, this animal is forever glorified. Right. Basically. Right. Yeah. Like, look how pretty this animal is, and it now gets to live on right. rather than just. And you know, bobcats and coyotes—they don't have you don't—they don't have a set of horns. Um, you know, you can save like a like a deer, and so you know, I've got I mounted I mounted a bobcat last year, the first one that I ever caught, and I'm gonna do a coyote if I ever catch one pretty now, enough. Bobcat mount would be sick. I would have an easier time killing bobcats than coyotes, just because coyotes are like my dog, my lab. Right. But a freaking bobcat. My dream is like the bobcat reaching out for a chucker. Like that'd be a cool man. They're uh what was I going to say? Um talking oh, about they don't oh, have horns. He he mentioned um you know we'd have a hard time killing a coyote. You you might say that until you look into their eyes. Like if you if you get up close with a coyote and look into their eyes, it they're like there's nothing there. Really? You know, like you look into a person's eyes, you can see they're living like, I feel like coyotes are a little bit evil. That's interesting. Like, they will do whatever they need to do to survive. Wow. You know, they, you know, the males go, every male goes around, you know, they kill pups and, and things and, you know, mm. they just do what they got to do. They are survivors. That's crazy. But there's, I think there's probably a crowd out there that they're uneducated and they might think that when you trap them, mm-hmm. that that hurts them. Mm-hmm. I mean, from what I understand of traps... It puts enough pressure that they can't get out, but it doesn't hurt them right. physically, right? But There's probably an extent that they get hurt. There, I've seen some, they, they try to get out, and then they end up injuring themselves right. in the process. You know, if, if, the, if the coyotes, they, they tend to, they're way more stubborn, and, the, you know, they'll, they'll run and hit the end of the chain a lot, and they, they, 
the traps are, you know, they're not, they're not sharp. There's not teeth on them like yeah. the old bear traps that you saw in the Looney Tunes. Yeah, right. You know, they, it, <laughs> it's just a flat bar. It's right? just a flat. It's just a flat piece of metal. I file mine down so they're round, so that it doesn't cut their fur. You know, wow. so there's less damage. Yeah. But it's just, it's just designed to hold. The trap is designed to hold the animal there until you know I get there to dispatch it. So when you're running traps, how many traps are you setting out, and how often do you check those? Um, Utah law requires every, at least every 48 hours you have to check, so every two wow. days, you know. And that other states have different regulations. Nevada is every 96 hours, which is four days. Gives you a little bit more. Arizona is the exact opposite. They're every 24 hours, and you cannot use foothold traps on BLM property. You can, you can only use foot traps on private property. Wow. So do you have to, what, what other traps are you using? Like like big live box traps. Oh, gotcha. Um, okay. You can't catch a coyote in a box trap. So you're there SOL on trapping coyotes there unless you're on private property. Does a foot trap include like a snare? Um, I don't know about snares in Arizona. It's kind of primitive, right? right. Snare, snare check laws are different than um, your foothold traps because they're designed to kill. Oh, um, I got you. You have to check your snares every 96 hours, I believe. I don't run snares. I have never figured out how, so I just... Yeah. And it's a little bit warm down there, so if you catch something, you know, I don't want it to be wasted and get rotten. Right. It doesn't freeze every night where I trap, so hmm. in other places it does. But, uh, you know, Utah, I run... Typically, I run between about four dozen traps, and that is every every spot that I set... I'll set at least two traps, sometimes three, you know, give them, and I'll make, you know, three different sets so that if, if the coyote comes around and doesn't like this smell, he might like this more, kind of, kind of up your, yeah, up your chances. How far, like in general, how far out are your spacing in one set? Um, in, in one set, like I'll do, I'll do a set and then 10 yards away, I'll do another one. It, it just kind of depends on the location. If it's a big wide open space, I'll, you know could be 100 yards in between your spot, you know, but it just, it more yeah. or less depends on where you're at, kind of. How are you keeping track of your locations? I, uh, I use Onyx Maps. That's not a, that's not a plug for them, but I use yeah. them. You know, yeah. you can. No, they're very handy, man. Very handy. You can, you know, you can use their, you can drop, drop pins and show if it's a coyote trap or a cat set. But for the most part, you know, I do that in the beginning, you know, when you set a new line out, it's, it's tough to remember. But, you know, after, after you check them a couple times, it's, you just remember. Right. That's awesome. But so what? there's definite laws regarding traps. You kind of touched on that a oh, little yeah. bit. What does it take to be able to start trapping so, from a law standpoint? From a law standpoint, all you need to do is get a trap registration number in Utah. So what does that entail? Like, what do you have to do? You have to go to your DWR office and pay them 15 bucks, and they issue a trap number. Okay. And that trap number you have to put on each of your traps with a with a like a copper tag, and attach it. And with that number, you don't have to put your in- information on it. But with that number, say, example, if you catch somebody's dog or you know something, the, the yeah. fishing game can identify whose trap it is with that number. Right. From there, with that number, you can trap coyotes and foxes, everything in Utah except for pine marten and bobcats. You don't. You have to have a fur bearer's license to trap bobcats and pine marten, but coyotes, foxes, there's you don't have to have a, a it's trap. matter of fifteen bucks for a it's matter of fifteen bucks. Cool. Um, and, and then, what are your traps running? 
like for price? Uh, they're about 15 bucks a piece. And how many would you say would be a good number to get started? To get, I started with six. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, the more traps you have out, the better. You know, the more traps are out, the more success the, you're going to have. The more animals have a chance of walking by your yeah. by your you're sets. Increasing your outs. But Definitely. you know, if if you're if you have the if you have the the land, you know, the availability. You know, if you don't have to drive 50 miles to get away from the people, it's different than like. You know, I know there's people that trap up here in the city, and, you know, they've got a little piece of private that they can trap raccoons in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having, ha- owning two dozen traps would be, wouldn't benefit them, you know. If there's only five raccoons in this piece, you can catch them all in a couple of days with six traps. Yeah. Is that pretty key, like getting a, a location that's far away from most, like, public access, like, frequented locations? I, for me, it is. I, I... I, I get stressed out if I know that, like, on a holiday weekend, especially Christmas, Thanksgiving, when everybody's out shooting their new guns, farting around with their families. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't want people to find where I'm at just because I've had so many issues with um, animals being stole from me out of traps. Uh, really? your, you know, your tree huggers, they, they come along and they find a trap and they'll smash it with rocks or death threats. I mean, Which you, is illegal, right? It is illegal. It is illegal to... Them. By the book, it's illegal to take your dog out of a trap that's not yours. I'm not, you know, I'm yeah. not going to touch on that. But if my <laughs> dog gets caught in a trap, I'm, in, I'm not going to take the trap, but I'm going to take the dog out, you know. It's your dog. Right. Yeah. Right. Huh. But, um, you know, I've, I've had enough of a problem with people that I, I, like, I, like to get, I like to get out, get out away from everybody. That's interesting. So are you hiking in a ways? Oh, yeah. From... So you're loading up a backpack with your traps. Yep. How, how do you secure your traps? I, I just th- toss them in the old horn hunter pack that I got. What about when you set them though? Oh, there's um some stakes. There's they're they're called earth anchors. They're like a. Okay. I'm trying to to describe it's it's it, a stake basically, but it's a it's a stake you pan in the ground on a on a piece of cable and then you you pull it and set it. Uh-huh. So it's like a tree anchor. Okay. So you, you know so you can't pull it out. Gotcha. Or. That's how I set for coyotes most of the time because you're out in the flat. You know, if I get up into the cat country where I'm, you know, there's trees and trees and stuff, I'll use cable tie-offs, like a 10-foot piece of aircraft cable, that, you know, that I can tie to a tree. To or, a tree. Um, Interesting. Yeah. You know, I'm learning so much. This is great. <laughs> I've always been intrigued by it. I've always wanted to start it, but I, I didn't know all the laws, and honestly, I, uh-huh. I should take the time to learn it, but I hadn't, but... It's always seemed like ah, oh, there's way too much I got to do to be able to do that. Yeah. I, I'm not going to do it. But it's it's really overwhelming and it's it's so hard not to get discouraged. I still get discouraged. You know, you have a dry spell where it's it's hot and nothing's moving. And is cold weather the key? Part of it. It seems like storms get the animals moving. Really, you know, animals are always out moving before and after big storms. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it's hot, you know. If it when it's hot, especially like I like to trap early, you know, in October, and because you can trap coyotes around water, you know, because it's mm-hmm. still hot enough the coyotes are having to go get drinks every day, and it's really predictable where they're going to be. When there's snow on the ground, there's not a limit to where they can go. Yeah. Um, but what's the trapping season? There is not a trapping season on. There's a season like on foxes. And bobcats, but on coyotes, you can trap year-round. And you don't have to have a fur bearer's license in Utah to trap a um, fox? Correct. 
Wow. Correct. There's there's just a season when you're when you're allowed to kill them. Right. It's September to September to March or something. It's it's really long. Wow. Um, you know you can you know with the bounty program in Utah you're encouraged to you know take as many coyotes as you can. And bobcats the season is November fifteenth to March first. Yeah. Wow. So. Do you hunt coyotes also, like go out and make stands or drive around and shoot them? I do, I do. I've always got a gun in my truck and, you know, a, ro- a road dog A road dog's just a bonus. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I, I used to do a lot of calling. That's how I kind of got really obsessed with coyotes. Yeah. But, you know, it's just like anything. It seems like in Utah it's really bad. Shed hunting and coyote <laughs> hunting are, you know, it's the cool things to do. Yeah. You know, right. I'm not knocking anything. I enjoy both of those just as much as everybody else. Yeah. Obviously, I enjoy shed hunting because I make, you know, I make most of my living on that. Yeah. You know, other people finding sheds. But, uh, you know, I, 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 I get out a handful of times every year and go calling with buddies. And But would you say you're getting more of your coyotes from trapping? Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. How many on average a year do you trap? Last year was my best year trapping coyotes, and I caught 11. Um, you know, if you had coyotes or pretty known they're the hardest critter to catch yeah, in, in utah tough. i mean they've got the nose and they're they're just smart at like one thing about coyotes the people have a hard time you know they've got their nose obviously but you know if you, you, you bury your trap but if they step around and they don't step on the pan if they, if they step on the trap and it wobbles they'll dig it up without setting it off they'll dig it up flip it over yeah it's it's so frustrating. I can imagine. You, Holy cow. You're like, what happened here? And you see all the coyote tracks. You're like, no way. It's like hiking into freaking check a, a trail camera. And you're like, man, there's going to be so many animals. And it's like, moo cows. Right, <laughs> right. It's kind of the same experience. A huge just frustration yep. letdown. Yep. And when you pack all that in there, I mean, it's even worse. It stings. I, I, I pack all my traps in pretty far to, you know, to catch the – I do a lot. I work a lot harder to catch bobcats and coyotes just, you know, because d- depending on the market year, they're worth a lot of money. Yeah. The, you know, the coyotes are, the coyotes are, you do pretty well on coyote pelts in the bounty, but you, coyotes like to travel on the roads. And if you can find a two track out going, you know, they, they run the two track roads, they run the cattle trails, they're, mm-hmm. you know, long running features like fences. They're What's more bobcat country? I, I live in the heart of it. You know, the Rim Rock is kind of your stereotypical. There's bobcats everywhere. Bobcats mm-hmm. live in St. George city limits. They live in golf courses. That they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. But, you know, kind of, typically they like, they like somewhere where they can get high and watch. You know, they like the Rim Rock country because they can walk along the tops of the rims and look down. And as they're walking, look for the cottontail rabbits. And, um, you know, th- there's not... I like to think they... You know, I, when I think of a, of a bobcat, I think of the Rimrock country, you know. Yeah. Like. How many bobcats on average are you trapping a year? You can, Utah, each person can trap six. You're allowed six bobcat tags okay. a year. Um, this year was ultra slow. Yeah. The, the rabbits all got sick and died. And so the, that affected the cats. Yeah. Between me and my dad this year, we only caught six. You know, wow. my dad traps as well. Last year, I filled my tags shortly after Christmas. You know, it's there's still three weeks in the, left in the season, and I still haven't filled my bobcat tags. Dang. But, you know, it... That's something you wouldn't even, like, really think about unless you're out trapping bobcats about 
the rabbit population. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm de- I'm de- I'm not the best. You know, I'm not the best trapper out there. You know, I learn. I love talking to everybody that messages me. You know, you know, I learn something from everybody. I like to hear how, how people do it. Mm-hmm. And you know, I buy all the trapping videos I can. That's where you learn the the real stuff. Is you you buy their forty dollar DVDs from your trapping supplies and. You know, you su- you support them. They can put the videos out. You learn a little bit and can you know can pass it on. Awesome, but, huh? Man, I'm like so intrigued. I'm like all ready to go, like buy some <laughs> traps and go set. I'm like, it seems very interesting. Yeah. So, would you say, based off your Instagram name, are you do you like trapping more than you like antlers and the restoration? Like, why isn't it Utah shed? antler fixer <laughs> i thought about changing my tag on there for a while just you're established now right everybody <laughs> everybody knows you know trapper mckay that's yeah. what you know so i maybe just not to confuse people and yeah. if they you know they're scrolling through the feed and they see my business is trapper man wildlife studio you know they see that awesome. who the heck is that i didn't follow that guy click unfollow you know <laughs> you know like i said instagram's how i how i advertise how i yeah. get the word out free advertising man you can't beat it exactly and so I'd, i don't want to change something if it ain't broke dude you're you nailed it on the head right there <laughs> well perfect people listening to this podcast if you have any antlers you want fixed any anything really sounds like you do it all replicas yep. fixing i mean is there anything you can't fix is is there a point where an antler is beyond repair there's a point where it's I'm not happy. I can, I can make it look decent, but I I'm not happy with the end result. So I won't do it. You know, the, you got to be proud of your work, right? You don't want to be. I'm I'm, I'm proud of it, but I don't like most of the stuff that I do. You know, I'm I'm a, a pretty big perfectionist when it comes to that, and I like it when I'm doing it. But then I step back and come back and look. And I'm like, really? It, it's it's good enough. It seems like it's. I, I, You've got a high standard for yourself, right? Right, and I I have a hard time meeting that for myself. You know, I I, I I'm happy with it, but I'm not as happy as I could be. I guess gotcha. you know I haven't figured out how to how to get there yet. I'm still I'm still working at it every day. Every set of horns, I seems like you know I try something a little bit different and it works or it doesn't work, yeah. and I got to start over. Gotcha. So I, what does that horn look like? Is that like your chalky pink? Oh yeah, you know. Antler, is that something where you're like I've 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 done you know if you look at my page I've done my fair share of that stuff I don't I don't enjoy doing those because there comes a point when the natural detail of the antler is gone yeah weathered away and if you want to pay me a lot of money I'll put that back in <laughs> but I it's just so time consuming um, you know if if they're if they're your horns all the all the the ends of the tines are deteriorated and it's flaky and you know, when you sit it down, it leaves dust on the table. I, unless it's a 113, 115-inch horn, don't bring it to me, please. The people contacted you to oh, do yeah. that? Yeah, all oh, the yeah. time, huh? That those those kind of horns make the best, you know, you, you can make almost anything look pretty good with a photo. You know, it they make awesome comparison pictures like, oh, this is what I can do from chalk, you know, to mm-hmm. a, a decent, you know. When they get that point, you can't. It's hard to fool people. It looks good. You can tell it's colored. Like, oh, yeah, that looks nice. But, you know, I'm trying to trick people. You know, gotcha. I don't think I've <laughs> don't think I've got there yet, but I'm trying. Uh, that's know. awesome. Well, I, I talked to, to McKay here about uh, possibly fixing this deadhead. I, I don't know what I want to do with it. It's all 
The horns are white, which he's still got some velvet on it. Leads us to believe he died probably shortly after shedding, stripping his velvet off. But his nose is all ate off and gone, so I kind of got to figure that. I kind of, I think I kind of want to leave the white, and like you were talking, like just uh, it, judging by how the skull looks, uh-huh. would you just go replica? Like, oh yeah, there's at that point. Like to build something like that, wouldn't that be insane? Like to build a nose back, is that even possible? I could put it. It's it's hard. Real skulls are so brittle. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard to add anything to them and have it be, like, like really secure, you know. Like, I, I've done it. I, you know, I can do it. You can put, you know, your, your horns on a, like, on a skull if you've got one. Mm-hmm. It's just hard. They're so brittle. And, yeah, I, see, I'm, I'm not going to, like, you know, I am, actually. You know, my replica skulls are pretty tough. You know, it's a, it's a hard plastic. You can, you can smack the nose of the hammer, and they're not going to break. If you smack the nose of a real skull, it will break. Oh, definitely. It'll shatter. Yeah. You know, if it falls off the wall, it, you know, it's got a pretty good chance of not breaking. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. But, uh, you know, I, I would probably go with a, with a replica skull on that, you know, just because, you know, we could put a new nose on that, but there would be a seam. It would, you know, it, it's, mm-hmm. this, it's just hard to blend Little all that stuff right. back in, right? Yeah. You know. Gotcha. Well, yeah, I, I think I'd, I want to do that because he's a, a sweet buck, biggest buck I've <laughs> I've ever found or yeah. bigger than anything I've killed. So, <laughs> Heck, yeah. He's cool. I want to see it on the wall. So we'll have to definitely talk about that some more. But I appreciate you coming by, yeah. talking, uh, dropping some words of wisdom. Right. Hopefully we can help uh, spread your, your brand, your business, Absolutely. get you some exposure. Uh, we have uh, our audience base is pretty widespread awesome. across the, the nation so um it's part we're a part of the sportsman's nation podcast network um uh dan the guy that founded it he's located back east somewhere um and there's guys recording podcasts all over from whitetail guys all across like the east coast midwest there's guys in alaska doing podcasts and we're all part of this network and so there's some cross promotion pollination there with 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 uh, people and so yeah i'd love to help Spread your brand. I think you got a great thing going on. I love your pictures, dude. That, that's that's eye-catching at first. you got great composition, lighting, Thanks. and then just seeing your quality of work. I haven't Thanks. seen it in person, but, dude, your photos. It's just, here. It's, it's spread out all over at the Expo. you got to take me and show me. I want to <laughs> see some of it. So um, look look him up on at Instagram, Utah Trapper McKay. Yep. Is there an underscore you, there? There, Utah Trapper underscore McKay. Okay. And that's how he does his business. Yep. You can message him on there, right? Get some pricing information about uh, getting your antlers fixed or replicas made, whatever you want. Yep. Yep, yep. Perfect, Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I appreciate you coming by. It was really good meeting you and talking to you and getting to know you a little bit. Absolutely. Okay. (laughs) 